So many of us wish we can make the world a better place, but don't know where to begin. The vision of the Love Offering is to encourage and embolden a generation to do something to manifest the better world we want to see. First, by filling ourselves up with the love of Jesus Christ, and then pouring it out to the world around us. When we hear stories of how others have loved well, where they are, with the gifts that they've been given, it inspires and motivates us to do the same. Together, we can change the world one love offering at a time in thanksgiving to God, who is the most extraordinary giver of all. Melanie Red is a Christian blogger, motivational speaker, and author. She's written four books and has a brand new book that released in April titled Live in Light, Five-Minute Devotions for Teen Girls. She's married to Randy for the past 28 years and serving alongside him in ministry. Additionally, she is the mom of two awesome young adults. God's grace never ceases to amaze her. You can find out more about Melanie and her ministry, the Ministry of Hope, at www.melaniered.com. Without further ado, here's Melanie. Hey, Melanie. Good morning. How are you? Hey, I'm doing really good. How about yourself? We are doing great. Thank you for being my guest today on the Love Offering Podcast. I'm so excited for our conversation and to get to know you better. Well, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you and, and the invitation. Your goal is to inspire success in ministry and in life. And I am nodding in agreement, as I imagine other listeners are too. So what would you say your definition of success is and how would you suggest that we attain it? That is a great question. And I really had to think about that. But I think especially as believers, for people that know Jesus personally, your success is to discover what God has for your life and get in on it. Um, he has a wonderful plan for every single person. And I think of Jeremiah 29, 11, where God says he has plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. So I would, I would say to answer that question that we find success when we find where God's working and what he has for us and we get to join him. Yeah, I would agree with you. You are on a mission to offer hope. What is this hope and when did you first find it? Well, you know, when I think about hope, uh, I, we hear the word a lot. It's used in the world. It's used all around us. But there's only one person and one place in which we find hope, and that's in Jesus Christ. And, and I think about when I was 11, I was in a church service and I'm heard a man talking about, he wasn't my regular preacher, he was a guest, and he was talking about having a personal relationship with a personal God. And as I listened to him, I knew that's what I wanted. I wanted to know and be known by God. And so at that time, 11 and a half, I invited Jesus to be my Savior and my Lord, and I entered into a personal relationship with him. And now, over 40 years later, <laughs> I'm still enjoying that same relationship. And I, I tell people, I know I have the hope of heaven, but it's more than that. I have a, a sense of calm. I have peace. I have joy. I have opportunities to impact others. And I believe I have a more meaningful life. And so that's my hope. Jesus is my hope. And that's what I try to share with other people. Yeah, you know, we're just, our, our this interview is um, being recorded right after Easter. And I, I feel like that's what Easter is to me. You know, when he died on the cross yeah. and he was resurrected that that's what he's given us. Yeah. Yeah. Is hope. 
Absolutely. And there's hope really in none other. There's no other place where you have lasting hope. He is the only lasting hope. Yeah. Well, you have written Sunday School Curriculum and magazine articles for Lifeway. And as a pastor's wife and a mother of two college students, I imagine that you have a lot of experience serving in Sunday school classrooms. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So what would you say to listeners trying to find their place of service within their church? That's a great question. And, you know, I honestly believe there is a place, a position and a ministry for every single person who comes to Christ. God created us to be useful and to serve. And so I tell people all the time, if you're real practical, I don't know any other way to be simple, but simple. And so, you know, when you go into a situation and say you're in a new church or you're a new believer or you're just a a Christian who just doesn't feel like you're using your gift, one of the best ways you can start is to take a spiritual gift or inventory and find out where you're gifted. They have, they're free. You can Google spiritual gift test and go and go through some questions and figure out what you really are kind of geared for or created to do and then look for places to use that gift Um, and if you can't find where to serve or there's not a place right now let's say you figure out you're a teacher and there's not a class to teach then you just show up and serve until God opens that door one of my favorite stories I read uh, by author and speaker Christine Kane and she came to Christ as an adult and when she first she showed up the church had this day where they said come and serve and so she shows up and she's one of the only ones And they said, well, we need you to clean out these closets at the church. And so her first ministry was cleaning out closets at church. (laughs) And now now she speaks to thousands of people and has written numerous books. But what I love is that she was humble enough and willing enough to start at the bottom and just show up and help. And so I think if people are looking for their place, maybe you just become a greeter or you help make the coffee or you just show up and and do whatever they need you to do until God opens the door for you to use your gifts. Yeah. You know, it it comes to mind that Jesus was a servant. And so Mm -hmm. obviously he would call us to serve. And he even says that, you know, the, to the least, you know, it's this contradictory contradictory world. But then I was thinking too, as you were talking about, um, sometimes it's trial and error. Yes. Yes. We try one avenue of service and that might not be for you. But then I also think, um, sometimes people in our lives can identify our gifts in us more easily than we can. <laughs> yes. Yes. yes that's so a, maybe, yeah. Maybe ask our friends. Where, that's where a great point. Yes. To, to see, what do you see me doing or how do you see that I'm, I'm gifted? And, and I think your trial and error idea is a great idea for, for instance, I, I do not, I love little children, but I don't like working in a room full of them in the nursery. Yeah. And I, and I found that out by doing it. And so you sometimes <laughs> find out what you really don't love too. And so that's a great idea. Maybe some trial and error show up. And if you don't like what this one way of serving, you can find another one, you know? So that's a, that's a great suggestion. And actually I'm I'm thinking back to just my life, I guess, in the church too, that there are seasons as well. You know, when I had young children, I was working in Awana young children's ministry. And now it's, it looks different for me. It looks like my husband is now a trustee and now yeah, mm-hmm. I'm more involved in women's ministry yeah. or the backpack ministry. So my kids can see us serve. And so I think it's okay to switch gears 
Oh, absolutely. And, it, and that's the fun of it is you get to do millions of different things. Yeah. Uh, but, I, but I do encourage people, don't just sit. My, I had a pastor that said, don't sit, soak and sour, <laughs> you know, and, and, and that's what a lot of believe. I, I, yeah. I think the stats are 10% of the people do 90% of the work. Yeah. And so become the 11 or 12%, you know, to those that are listening and you're not doing anything. I just encourage you jump in and roll your sleeves up and find some way that you can serve the kingdom of, of God. Yeah. Yeah. There's a place for you. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, you have a website and yes. on this website, I was amazed at the amount of resources that you have. And the, the majority I found seemed to be focused on youth. Yeah. And so where does this passion for youth stem from for you? Yeah. Well, a lot in a lot of parenting. And so, yes. so yeah. yes. well, some yeah. of it logically comes out of the fact that I've gone through with my children the struggles and experiences they and their friends have had going through their youth. And they're now in their twenties, but their experiences kind of stuck with me. And, um, and also I'm, I'm a teacher. I have a heart for kids. I've taught every, I think I've taught every grade in either church or school, but I I think I, and I think I like, sometimes I like kids more than I like their parents. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Kids are just so real and honest and genuine and fun. And, this is part of the reason that I love them. Um, one other thing, and, and this probably goes to the heart of it, is I think the teen years are where God grips the hearts of people. Yeah. If God can draw somebody to himself at 15 or 12 or 18, then they can enjoy him their whole lives. Um, and so that's one of my prayers is that God will use me and something I write to touch the heart of a parent or a teenager so God can, can help them to fall in love with him early and stay connected to him their entire life. Yeah. You know, looking back on my life, I, I wish that I would have had that. um, Yeah. Because I feel like that is when I, when I fell away from, from the Lord and I wish I wouldn't have, you know, that, that is a regret of mine. And and that's a story for so many. Yeah. Uh, But then you hear the stories where people, they really do, they get so enamored with Jesus and with the Bible and with walking with him that they just are not tempted by the world. It's just not interesting to them because they have found such uh, hope and grace and peace in their relationship with him. And so that's part of my prayer is that they would just get so taken with him that nothing else entices them quite so much. Mm, Yeah. Well, you know, I have an eight-year-old and a 10-year-old. And so I would say that that (laughs) is my prayer for my children as well. So I'm interested to hear. So as we try to parent this next generation, what advice would you offer? Oh, that's good. That's a great question too. You know, I heard a speaker recently was talking about the trends and they're, they're scary. If you start looking at the lack of um, interest in, in the church and in God over generations and especially the age of your kids, it was almost as if we've become, especially in the United States, an unchurched group. And, and they say in the next 20 years, we'll pretty much be, a, a country that's not a church country. Yeah. And so my prayer and my passion has been that we'll turn that around. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be that way. That's just the, the trends. Yeah. But I, every, everything that I've seen and experienced is real simple when it comes to advice with your kids, with other people's kids. There's just a few things. One is to be real. <laughs> they don't want you to be fake. And, and they, they pick it up. Even your kids are old enough to pick it up yeah. when you are, you're one way at home and another way at church. Right. You know, right. Yeah. Um, another, another real tip with your own kids and other kids is show that you care. Uh, they want to know, do you care about me? They want you to look them in the eyes and know, do you care about me? And then one other thing that 
that just has rung true is they, young adults and, and teens and even the age of your children, they want to know Jesus is for real. You know, is your God for real and does he make a difference in your life? And so, I, you know, I tell people, I just spoke to a group of seniors the other day and I told them this, this fact that in stores and in restaurants and in so many places, we have the chance to look teenagers and young adults in the eyes and give them hope and encouragement, but they've got crazy haircuts or they're wearing weird clothes or they're tatted up or they're pierced. And so we kind of hesitate because we don't see that there's a person behind all that. And so I think my best advice would be reach out and love them anyway, even if they look weird or they act like they don't want you to. I'm finding more and more and more young adults and teenagers need an adult to look them in the eyes and give them hope. Yeah. Yeah. We all, we all need love and we all need hope. Everyone, yeah. every single one of yeah. us, regardless of age, regardless yeah. of appearance. Um, and, you know, actually what you were just saying, I, I heard on Caleb, the same statistic, you were talking about the trends yeah. that for the first time that there are more, um, it was like 51% unchurched and then, um, did I just say that right? It was 51% unchurched and then 49% Christians. And for the first time it's, it was always Chris, there were more Christians in America than there were mm-hmm. non. And now it's, it's, it's reversed and that's scary. Yeah. And it's just, a, it's just a sliding away. It doesn't have to stay that way, right? but it, but it is the trend and it wakes you up and it makes you think maybe their parents aren't telling them about Jesus, but I could, mm-hmm. you know, maybe their parents aren't paying attention, but I could. And so one of my prayers is just to be alert and mm-hmm. available and to notice yeah. and, and to be willing to, to speak life and hope into somebody else's kids. Yeah. yeah. Including we, and yeah. my own. <laughs> right. Well, yeah. And, yeah. And I think it's good for us to remember too, that God is the God of miracles and everything yeah. is possible with him. And we know mm-hmm. he is, has the ultimate victory. And so, but we get to be a part of it. Yeah. And he's yeah. going to use us. Well, and I can tell you on a positive note, we were in New York City a couple weeks ago. My husband had a a class that he was taking. And so we went to visit Hillsong Church, which is right in the middle of Manhattan. And we had to wait in a long line, go through a screening, have our bags checked and walk forever to get to our seats. But when we got in there, there were thousands of teenagers and young adults and they were there for church. (laughs) And I thought, this is awesome. And it's happening even if it's not happening right around us, yeah, you know, so God's at work and he's still moving mm-hmm. and he's still in control. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And you know, on that same line of thought, this, this past, I mentioned earlier, it was Easter and I was scrolling through Facebook and I was just, had the biggest smile on my face because I, it was Easter picture after Easter picture after Easter picture yeah. of family saying he is risen. And yeah. it was just this, It just was encouraging because I think for Christians are sometimes quiet. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and, and that was a day Easter was a day that everybody got loud. Yeah. And it was encouraging. Yeah. And, you know, I'm seeing that we don't have to, we don't have to be loud to make an impact. We can, as we're walking through the grocery store line or as some waiter or waitress is serving us, I found if you just take an interest in them or you say, Hey, we're about to pray. Can we pray for you about anything? These kids will sit down in the booth and talk to you. And so, you know, there is much opportunity. And sometimes we forget it's just one-on-one, one person at a time. We can make an impact. Yeah. Well, you have a new book that just released Mm -hmm. and it is titled Live in Light. And it is a five-minute devotion for teen girls. And uh, so a lot happens in our teens that can make them feel left in the dark. 
So you have provided this guide for tackling the teen years with wisdom and the comfort of the Bible. And as, as I alluded to earlier, I wish I would have had this tool in yeah. my teen years because I just, it's so relevant. So what is your heart's desire for readers to realize after reading this devotional? Well, I kind of alluded to it earlier. I, I, my biggest prayer is that especially teen girls would fall in love with Jesus and walk with them until they're little old ladies. Yeah. <laughs> um, God got a grip on my heart at a camp when I was 15 years old and he called me to do ministry and I've never walked away. Now I've been tempted and pulled, but my heart has been steadfast because he so got a hold of me at 15. Yeah. And so I, I believe if teens will surrender completely, that they'll save a lot of heartache and they can walk with Jesus until their dying days. And so that's really my prayer is that he will... I mean, this book has gone out all over the world <laughs> and my and, and families are reading it together. I'm, I'm seeing, um, you know, mothers reading it with their daughters, grandmothers reading it with their daughters. And so my prayer is God will just begin to get hearts and, and begin to get people in the word and interested things and interested in a relationship with him. Yeah. Well, also in your book, Live in Light, you discuss how to navigate pressure to be perfect on social media. And social media is tough as an adult and even tougher to handle emotionally as a teen. So what recommendations would you share concerning this topic? Well, I, I think I say this in the devotional. It's interesting. My daughter helped me with this particular devotion that we did. But one of the things that she made sure to say is, is know that a lot of those pictures have been altered. <laughs> yes. Uh, they, they have these wonderful apps where you can filter every bump and cur everything that doesn't look good. You can do all kinds of things to make it look better. And so I, I tell teenagers, but I tell grown women this too, is don't believe everything you see because those people may not look quite like that when you met them in person. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> you know? So, yeah. Um, but I, there's a few tips and I tell adults, I, I, I've just, teaching a class at a, a local seminary here for pastor's wives. And I, we went through this just last week. And so I have some great tips and I would tell this to anybody, but I'm on, I'm on social media a lot and I've noticed people are not very careful online. And so one of the best tips I tell people is be careful what you post. Facebook is not your diary or your best friend. <laughs> it is a, it is a wide open public forum that, anybody can see and find, even if you've got settings on that say they can't. Uh, there, there are ways people can search and see whatever you put out there. So be careful what you put out there. Um, a second thing I tell people is don't share things you'll regret later. You can't erase, yes. <laughs> you know, you've yeah. probably seen that. Uh -huh. And even if you, even if you delete something, it still leaves a footprint. I don't understand it, but people can go back and find things even if you've deleted them yes. uh, or thought you hid them. So don't use it at, to tell the world every detail about your life. <laughs> um, another thing I tell people on a positive note is use social media for good. Mm. It is great for community, for connecting with people, for marketing, for inspiration, for encouragement. I mean, there's a lot of good about social media and most of it's free. That's right. Uh, yeah. And, and one last thing, and this is probably the biggest thing, and I tell, I've told lots of teenagers and parents this, is don't let Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat be a substitute for real life friends. Yeah. You know, keep being around people and looking them in the eye and, and having coffee and taking a walk or having lunch. Don't, don't let social media be your only connection because it's very lonely and empty and unsatisfying. Yeah, it can be. And then as, as you're talking, I'm thinking about don't let it be the determination of your worth. Yes. Um, I yes. can, I can see that it's like, how many likes did I get or, you know, yeah. and, and that yeah. we're wrapping up our identity and, 
and finding our identity in something other than Christ. Absolutely. I, I read the other day where some a study's been done and they said we actually get an emotional response of like, you know, we get more serotonin when people like our stuff. And I thought, mm. oh, no, it, it actually meets an emotional need. And so, yeah, we do have to be careful because liking something is not the same thing as relationship. Mm. Yes, absolutely. Well, you also tackle the topic of dating in your book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. You, you brave woman. <laughs> yes. So what practical tips can you give those navigating these relationships as a teen? Well, you know, especially for parents listening, dating is weird now. Uh, it, it's a, it's not like it was probably when I dated or you dated. And it's a big topic for teens, but they don't date the same. And most of their dating, if you will, is done online or through mm-hmm. Snapchat or through text or some other forum. They've got a million ways they communicate, but a lot of it's not done in person, which I think makes it kind of scary. Yeah. And so, so I tell teens and parents this, know who you're texting and who you're communicating with online. And if possible, meet them or verify or f- make sure that you know they're a real person and they are who they say they are before you share anything personal. Because people can do fake accounts. They can put up a picture that looks like somebody that they're not. So I just tell, especially teens, be careful uh, because you just don't know. And if there's some way you can find out, find out. Um, In fact, maybe to take it a step further is don't, don't start connecting with someone online that you've not met in person. Yeah. You know, before, especially a boy, if you're a girl and it's a boy. Um, Another good tip is spend time in groups to find out what a person's really like. Uh, You find out so much about if you're a girl or you have a daughter, they find out about boys by seeing how they act around their buddies or their coaches or their teachers or their parents. They have a temper. Are they respectful? Do they open the door for you? How do, you know, what do they laugh at? What, that kind of thing. And so if you can get around someone before you date, just to see what they're really like in a group, you learn a whole lot about a person. And so um, another thing I I love to encourage girls to do is let your friends meet the person you want to date and find out what they think about them. Sometimes one of your good friends can see something you can't see. Yeah. Um, Another tip would be when in doubt, don't. Mm, (laughs) That's good for lots of. (laughs) (laughs) If you have a a check in your spirit and you just think, "Eh, I don't know, then it's probably not good. Uh, they don't get better. I, I, my daughter and I've had this discussion. I'm like, if you don't like them now, you're not going to like them when you marry them better. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> so anyway, um, one other one that was given to me, I can't remember who gave me this rule, but they had the three date rule. And I'm not sure how this applies for our kids. Cause they don't all always go on dates, but as you get to know a person, maybe it'd be the three times you've talked to them. If you don't sense you're headed in the same direction, if you don't sense they're a believer, then you need to get out before you fall for them. Yeah. So those are kind of my best tips. And some of those are in the devotional book, but some of those I've given to my daughter, some of them I've given to youth groups, but I'm Mm -hmm. sure there are many others, but those are some of my favorites. Uh, That's good to know. I told you I had a 10 year old and he's, he's a little boy and there's a school dance. (laughs) Yeah. You're about to, you're about to be there. Oh, you're Uh, almost to the point. Well, there was a, there was a girl that asked him to the dance and he's like, mom, what do I say? And I say, you say you don't date and you've got a ball game and you can't go. (laughs) That's what you say. Yeah. 
And yes. he said, well, mom, when can I date? And I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm yeah. not decided yet. Yeah, we're going to have to pray about that. I'm going to talk <laughs> to your dad about that. <laughs> yes, yeah. it, it does. The pressure, they do, they grow up, they're growing up faster and it's starting uh, sooner. Sooner. Uh, yeah. Yes, yes. Well, so how many years have you been married, Melanie? We are going on 29. Oh, so, yes. yes. Lots my of kids, wisdom. Well, my kids are 24 and 26. So, yeah. My yeah. husband and I just celebrated our 13th anniversary yeah. yesterday. Congratulations. <laughs> That's great. Hey, Thanks. hey, every year you make it is a big, it big is. success. <laughs> yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. yes. Uh, well, dealing with frenemies is another topic that you address <laughs> in your book. So why are these relationships so difficult and how can we improve them? Oh, wow. Ugh. Uh, just girl drama. You know, yes. you know what, you know, what's really funny is it's not just in the teens. I know, no. I know some, some senior adult women who are just as challenging as some teen girls. <laughs> <Yeah>. So, <laughs> right. I, and I, and, and everybody in between, I don't, women and relationships are hard. Yeah. I was, ta- I was talking to a lady last night, in fact, and she's going through a hard relationship and we were talking about, what do you do? When you get in the middle and it gets nasty or it gets ugly or it reaches that frenetic, ugly place, um, you know, I think you have a choice. And, and so just a few suggestions. When you get in a tangled web, web with some other woman or a group of women, pull back and take a few deep breaths. My best advice is just pull back. Get out of the situation. Give yourself the chance to kind of breathe. <laughs> and, and then pray and let your emotions calm down. Because sometimes in the, you know how it is, we all get, we get uh, offended or we Mm -hmm. get uh, hurt or we get worked up or we get upset with another girlfriend or she gets upset with us. And in the heat of the moment, sometimes we do and say things we regret. So if there is a way for you to leave, (laughs) that would be my first suggestion. Um, And then I think we have to decide if this is a relationship you want to continue. I think there's some relationships worth fighting for. This is true, whether they're 10 or you're 90. Yeah. Um, there's benefit. There's some, some relationships that are better left alone and it's okay to give yourself space. It's okay to walk away from a relationship. If all it does is cause you drama and grief. I've had this discussion with my daughter many times. I'm like, why are you pursuing this friendship? All it does is upset you. So if you're in one of those relationships, you've got to decide if you want to keep pursuing what's hurting you all the time. And many women will do it over and over and over again. So there's kind of a choice. If you decide to pursue the relationship, I would do it very slowly and carefully. Pray, prepare what you want to say. You're going to need to speak the truth in love to this person if you want this relationship to continue. Um, The Bible says to be at peace with all men so far as it depends on you. And you can make someone, you can get some people to reconcile and act right. But you can't force it. You're only, you only can take care of you. Mm. So, um, you know, it's almost like a bridge. When we're at odds with somebody, we walk to the middle. We invite them to walk over. But if they're not willing to get on the bridge with us, we may have to let them go. Um, so I think this is hard. I think frenemies and friends, it's complicated. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. yes. Yeah. So, that, my, so those, those are just kind of my suggestions is pray, see if you can reconcile but also make sure you really want to keep pursuing this relationship. Yeah, yeah. that's good wisdom. So the, the hope of your project, this, this Live in Light, is to help girls become the women both you and God wants you to be. 
And that is my hope for myself Mm -hmm. and for my daughter who is eight. So Mm -hmm. how do we discern what God wants us to be? You know, we, we talked about it a few minutes ago, but so much of discerning what God wants you to be is done through trial and error. You try new things, you're open to new experiences, and then you kind of see, is, is this really where I get a kick? Is there a real joy? I, I think God is wise enough to put our personality, our loves, what we're passionate about, and our gifting all in a package that works together. <laughs> you know, it should fit. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll give you an example. I have a, a friend, she's a pastor's wife, and recently she's gotten her real estate license, and she was presenting and talking to a couple about being their real estate uh, person. And, and she said, we had lunch together and she said, when I was in that moment, making my PowerPoint presentation, sharing with them why they should choose me. She said, I just felt like this is what I was made to do. Mm-hmm. And, and I think when we get into what we love, uh, and we just sense God's pleasure, we just get this sense of, Oh, this is what I was made to do. And so you, I think we're going to have to try enough things to find our thing, our niche, our pocket, our place. (laughs) Um, For me, I love to teach. And when I'm in front of a group, I'm just in my zone. (laughs) You know, it's just, it's my sweet spot. And so Mm -hmm. I would say to that woman that's looking, I would, I would read everything you can about finding your sweet spot. Chuck Swindoll has a really good book. I think it's called Cure for the Common Life. And, you know, but I would, I would, like you said, talk to my friends. What do you see me doing? What do you see that I, I'm gifted at, and then I would just try some things. And when you get in that moment, that zone, <laughs> it's like you'll have this epiphany, <laughs> and yeah, you'll like, yeah, and it'll be the oh, aha moment. Yeah, yeah, it'll be like, oh, this is what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. It's that abundant yeah. life. I think he talks about yeah. when you yeah. find your purpose, just coming alive. Yes, yes. You have a previous book release that was titled "Stepping Closer to the Savior." Yeah. And you say step towards Jesus and he will step towards you. Yeah. So how do you stay in step with Jesus and what does this dance, so to speak, look like for you on a daily basis? Well, you know, I kind of liken your spiritual life to how you take care of your physical life. You know, for most of us, if we're going to stay healthy and fit, we have to be intentional about it. So we eat certain things, we drink water, we exercise we stay active. We don't sit all the time. It's deliberate choices that keep mm-hmm. us physically healthy. And the same is true spiritually. You have to want more of Jesus. Um, he says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. We make that step. We are the ones that choose. And so daily, I just choose. I choose. I have a place, uh, a chair and a basket of books. And I get my journal and my Bible out and devotional books. And I spend time every day with the Lord. 30 minutes or more every morning where I just deliberately choose to focus on him. And then I spend time with godly friends. I'm having coffee with a girl this afternoon. We just encourage each other. I listen to podcasts. I take prayer walks. I pray as I'm driving in my car. I listen to Christian music because my spirit needs to be nourished just like my body needs to be nourished. Yeah. Well, and that's how he talks to us. He talks to us through our Bible study. And as, as you were talking, I was thinking about, you know, the, the Bible scripture says, seek and you will find, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and knock and, and he will answer. He's there. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like a cup that you need to fill up every day. You know, it's, you use up your cup of fullness all day and then it's empty at the end of a day. And so the next morning you need to go back to the well 
and get some more fresh water. And that's what it is to spend time with him. It's to fill your cup back up every morning. Yeah. Our daily bread. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Melanie, I always close with the same question for my guests because this podcast was created to celebrate and catalyze extraordinary givers. And you have spent the majority of your life serving others in various capacities. So is there someone who comes to mind for you that has been an extraordinary giver for you? Yes, absolutely. Actually, I, I made a list of names because that, there's not just one. <laughs> I mean, when yeah, I go I'd down love to hear that answer, <laughs> <laughs> when I go down my list, there's Debbie, Christy, Susan, Barbara, Shan, Mary Ellen, Lisa, Jennifer. The list could go on and on. Every church we've been in, every city we've lived in, God sent wonderful women for me to walk with. And they just poured into my life. And so I'm blessed. And how can I not pour out because so much has been given? Mm. How would you suggest that we give extraordinarily to our teens? Like, what what is it that you think that they need most from us as their parents? Well, you know, it's funny. This one has come more in recent years, and I wish I had known this sooner. But I think one of the things our kids need more than anything else is they need to be heard. And so I would say if you could give anything, and your kids are the right age, too, is just listen. Even with my own kids, I'm trying to listen more and lecture less. <laughs> oh, that's a good, that's a uh, good quote. I'm going to uh, keep, yeah, well, keep that one. You can use that one. I don't think I came up with that one, but that's what I'm working on. Yeah. Wow. I love that. Well, how can listeners keep in contact with you and, and purchase some of these books and resources we've been talking about? Sure. Absolutely. I would love to connect with your readers. I have a website and it's just my name, which is kind of hard to spell. It's Melanie, M-E-L-A-N-I-E. And my last name is Red, R-E-D-D. And they can connect with me on my website. I'm on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest, LinkedIn, Twitter. I, I, for most people, if you'll reach out and say, hey, let's be friends, then I'll, I'll say yes. And so I love to connect with people online. And all the resources are on Amazon. <clears throat> and so they can go to Amazon and find any of the books. Okay. Well, Melanie, thank you so much for being my guest today and for imparting such godly wisdom. I think that no matter what age we are, living in light and stepping closer to the Savior is always good advice. God bless you. Thank you. I sure appreciate it. The Love Offering was created to inspire us to intentionally seek ways to share God's love with a world often marked by the opposite. God gives us His love so freely. He simply asks that we believe in Him and that we share His love with others. The hope of the love offering is that it starts a chain reaction of loving service that points people to Him. It is a pure-hearted, servant-minded approach to living. So where does God have you? Who has He surrounded you with? What stirs your heart? Start there. No act is too big or too small. Let's spur one another on as we share God's love in tangible ways and change the world one love offering at a time.